God, thank you that we get to speak out of the overflow of your goodness to us. Thank you for the years that Stevie has walked with you and chased after you. And I pray that what she says today will flow out of who you are and who she is in you. And that we would all be blessed so that we can take this message, be blessed and bless others through it. Amen. Good morning, everyone. So last week, as David said earlier, Kat started off our new series where we're looking at the different names of God that we find in the Bible. And Kat talked about El Shaddai, God Almighty, and how we can look to God as being almighty in all the seasons of life and in everything that we go through. And so this week, I'm talking about God's proper name, the name that he gives himself, which has come into English for us as Yahweh or Jehovah. And so to help us look at this, we're going to start by reading Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. So if you look at this up on the screen, you can see that the word Lord is written in capital letters. And every time that appears in the Bible, that means that in the original Hebrew, this is a place where God used his own name. And it appears thousands of times across the Bible. And scholars have made the educated guess that we pronounce this name as Yahweh. But the vowels in the word are, in fact, just a guess, because only the consonants were written down. And the word Jehovah is actually a made-up word. It's a corruption of the word Yahweh, which dates back to when Judaism held that God's name was too holy to be written or said by us. So when writing out scripture, they intentionally wrote God's name wrong so that no one could say it by accident. As a word nerd and a lover of Jesus, I find this both frustrating and fascinating. There is frustration in the loss of knowledge, the loss of knowing how to pronounce God's name. But I am fascinated, too, by the history and the language and the invitation that we have here to explore the mysteries of God. The root of the word Yahweh comes from the Hebrew verb to be. And so the best way to translate Yahweh Yahweh into English is I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. 
God's own self is unchanging and unaffected by external circumstances. He simply is. In Revelation 1, verse 8, God says that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end, the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. He will not be bound by time or tenses or any human language. Nothing that we could say could ever fully describe all that God is. And that's why he has so many titles across the Bible, and it's why we're looking at some of those names and titles this term. He is the Almighty. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the commander of angel armies. He is Father, Creator, Provider. He is the Most High, the Most Holy. He is the Ancient of Days. He is our Saviour. He is our Rock, and He is our Redeemer. He is all of these and more. And each name that we use, each characteristic of God that we come to understand better, we get to know him more and love him more and worship him more fully. Knowing someone's name creates intimacy and immediately deepens our relationship with them. I was at my brother's wedding, week, wedding last weekend and I talked to a whole bunch of people whose names I did not catch. And so just one week later, I have no particular connection or memory of these people. But I was at a different wedding at the start of June where I met Hannah and I met Kate and we had a genuinely hilarious day and I'm really looking forward to another wedding next year when I'll see them again and we'll catch up because I knew their names and I got to know them and it creates history and it creates relationship and it creates connection. Names and stories are important. They matter. And this is what we see playing out in our reading God introduces himself by name and he says what he has done and he says what he will do. I am the Lord, he says. I appear to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I establish my covenant with them. I've heard the groaning of the people of Israel and I have remembered my covenant. I am the Lord and I will free you from being slaves to the Egyptians. I will rescue you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord. God says it over and over again. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. God is holding himself to account and proving that he keeps his promises. Because the covenant that he'd made with Abraham back in Genesis would have been long outside living memory by this point. And God himself is outside of time. So he could just walk away like that promise never happened but he doesn't. He willingly recalls the old covenant into present living memory for Moses. God cares about his promises and he cares about us. From the beginning, he has been after relationship with us and he does this through making covenantal promises. He goes through the covenant process with Abraham twice in the book of Genesis and both times the covenants are sealed with blood and with sacrifice. The first time the covenant is confirmed with the sacrifice of animals and the second time Abraham and all the men and boys over eight days old are circumcised. They are permanently changed and scarred by the formation of this covenant. It's at this point that Abraham and Sarah are given their new names. No longer are they Abraham and Sarai. They have a new identity. There is a new identity and a new destiny for this people and all of this God is calling to mind for Moses. God, Yahweh, is reminding Moses that he said to Abraham, my covenant in your flesh is an everlasting covenant. 
This is not a light or an easy promise that God makes, but one that he intends to be permanent. And this is the story that continues across the Old Testament. Sometimes Israel walks with God, and sometimes they walk away. But God's heart is always tending towards his people. He keeps his promise of relationship, and he sends prophet after prophet over the years, always calling Israel back to himself, always reminding them, I am the Lord, and this is what I have done. This is who I am, and this is what I will do. And finally, God sends himself. Jesus comes, fully God, fully human, the only human who could perfectly fulfill and remake the old covenant into something new. Once again, we have a covenant that is confirmed with blood and sacrifice as Jesus submits to a death on the cross so that creation could be redeemed and so that we could be brought home. And this is the beautiful, unanswerable mystery of the cross. Our God is so very huge and so beyond us that he has so many, many names to help us understand who he is. He is beyond anything we can understand, and yet he comes as a tiny, fragile baby. He lives for 30-something years on this earth, and then he sacrifices himself so that his covenant with humanity would finally and irrevocably be sorted It's a mad, offensive story when we think about it. It is wondrous and reassuring and brilliant, but it's also uncomfortable because I don't know about you, but I don't understand it. I'm thankful for it, but I don't understand it. The unknown is uncomfortable. I think particularly at the moment, we're big fans of the answers that we can find using Google. We don't like unknowns, and we don't like not understanding So how does that fit with a God that we can never fully know or fully understand? There is so much richness to be found in bringing our questions to God, to Yahweh, rather than to a search engine. And I think our danger lies in conceiving God in our own image, rather than dwelling in the mystery of having been made in his. If the mysteries of God and the cross become too much, then we can settle on some some things that we do understand, And we can turn those things into a box and put God inside it. We can make our very own golden calf like the Israelites did and call it God and worship it and miss the fact that God himself is present in all his majesty just up the mountain. When we allow our discomfort and the mysteries to shape God into our own image, who are we worshipping? Who are we following? Who are we allowing to shape our decisions and shape how we live? We end up with a God who looks like us, thinks like us, feels like us, maybe votes like us, thinks the same people are in, the same people are out. We map our own experiences onto this version of God that we've made up. If I can be petty and jealous and broken, then maybe God can too. If I can have a bad day and hurt people and get hurt, then maybe God can too. And my version of God is going to be different to your version of God, and then boom, all of a sudden... We've got a new denomination and a new split, and we're not one family, we're not one body, we're having another argument. Suddenly we find ourselves in a crisis of faith, because the version of God that we've made up isn't big enough for the questions we have and the issues that we face. But the truth is, he is big enough to hold our questions and our wonderings. 
This is not a brittle truth that we are holding on to. This is not an alternative fact. This is truth. This is the truth that comes from the king of the universe. Yahweh is unchanging. And we are not. And he knows this about us. God knows that I like to research all the things and understand all the things and make plans and spreadsheets to bring order to situations that are not sufficiently under my control. God knows that life has taught me perfectionism and control. And recently he has been teaching me the freedom of unanswered questions and the joy of surrendering them into his hands. When we are small, we think and we reason like children. And as time passes, our wisdom and our reasoning develop. And as we journey in faith, the shape and the practice of our faith is going to change. My faith looks different today than it did five years ago and five years before that. And that's okay. It's very good, actually. As I continue to follow Jesus, he will continue to answer some of my questions and raise bigger ones. He will continue to make me uncomfortable in order to make me more like him and to further the coming of his kingdom. I think one of the best things I can do as a leader is be clear that standing here with a microphone does not mean that I have all the answers. I would much rather point you to Jesus than to myself. I would much rather ask good questions than tell you all the answers. I would much rather go to a God who is beyond my understanding with my questions and queries in a world that doesn't seem to make sense than have a faith that fits in a box that I can tie up with a pretty bow. I want my relationship with God to keep growing and moving and breathing. I want it to be alive. In science, in school, we get told that there are seven characteristics of living things. They move, they respire, they they are sensitive to their surroundings, they need nutrition, they excrete, they reproduce, and they grow. And I want all of that for my relationship with God, for our relationship with God in this church, in our family. I want us to grow, I want us to reproduce, I want us to move and give this away, because the truth that we have is too good to hold inside these walls. I believe that God is calling us not to be afraid of the journey and the change that comes because he is present and eternal in all of it. In our passage from Exodus today, God is sending Moses to Pharaoh, seeking liberation for the people of Israel. And what comes next for Israel is freedom from slavery. Yes. But there is also a journey into the wilderness. That's where they go next. Israel goes into the desert. There's a journey into the wilderness where nothing feels quite certain except the presence of God. He is a pillar of cloud by day to guide them on their way, and he is a pillar of fire by night so that they have light to see by. The Israelites must learn to trust that God is who he says he is. He is who he is, and he will be who he will be. He is their provider, and he brings their daily bread. And so my prayer for us this week is that we would not be afraid of the questions because we have a God who is big enough to handle them. We have a God who is outside of time and holds all of us in the palms of his hands. Let's invite Holy Spirit into our wrestling and into our questions because it's naive to pretend that as a church we haven't faced loss and difficulty and sadness and sickness. But God is big enough to handle all of our questions as we keep on praying, as we keep on seeking the kingdom and seeking the glory that God has for us, the glory that is coming.
let's trust God to be present if and when we find ourselves in the wilderness. Because in the wilderness, everything might get stripped away, but we are left in the place of intimacy with God, who knows us by name and whose name we know. So shortly, David is going to come and lead us in communion. And as you come to the table today, my challenge would be to bring your questions. Come in all that you are, all, all that you are right now. Because God is not afraid. He is so good. We were singing it just now. He is so, so good to us, always. He came... He died on a cross so that we might have a relationship with him and so that creation would be redeemed. We have a relationship with God and it's a mystery that we can never fully understand but we can take a lifetime to explore it.